So, I mean, yeah, technically, yes, you are in there. It's, but it's a different version. It's not exactly you. But it's pieces of yeah. us um, come through in our characters. So, yeah, it's the creative outlet that we, you know, we put into the work. So we're going to be there, but it's not always 100% us. So just because you write somebody who is a, you know, psychopathic murderer doesn't mean you are a psychopathic murderer. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be a disaster at that in real life <laughs> it's a great way to exercise those inner demons to take those intrusive thoughts and turn them into something entertaining yes. I like yeah. that <laughs> yes. well, look at that Anita's always there right on the start hey Anita yes. how you doing well, I guess uh, we should get started. Uh, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Spilling Ink. We are the talk show that takes you behind the book to meet the authors and professionals in the publishing industry. And we've got a new to you guys, somebody I've known for years, and I'm glad to be able to catch up with, Miko Montgomery. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here and wonderful to see you again. Yes. And I'm sorry that a couple weeks ago, there was just a horrible snafu, like one of those... <laughs> You can't predict the bad luck that was going on. Yes. But right before the show went live, my uh, whole neighborhood went down. Apparently, somebody hit a major transformer nearby and took out almost all of Henderson. Yeah. And it included not only the power, but it also included the cable. So no signals were getting out either. So as I'm desperately trying to text Jane, I'm like, I can't connect. She couldn't get anything. And I couldn't get back in. So now I have the magic pass and I can trust buttons and make a mess of this. Yes, we have we have corrected that problem. It's not gonna happen again. Knock on wood now that I say that, because you know what happens. Yes. yes. Okay, cool gamer. Welcome to the show. So we are back. We've got a great guest to talk to this week. And Jane, love to catch up with you because it's been a while. Yes. Things are good. I mean, I got this this came out modern goddess came out on the 7th so on election day <laughs> um so th there's that and in december i have another uh christmas one fun christmas one coming out so yay yay <laughs> it's already almost christmas what is that? i know i know <laughs> the countdown is on my husband counted the days between now and when we're <laughs> retiring. He is he is on this, you know, march of of you know this full time okay. job is gonna it. end. <laughs> Y'all deserve it. Yeah. It's a good thing. <laughs> so yeah. And, so and Miko, how about you? Getting ready for the end of the year? Yeah, I suppose. Uh it's <laughs> it sounds very decisive about it, don't it's a weird time of year for me, uh, holidays and my birthday and other anniversaries and stuff. So the way I kind of uh, fortify my emotions for this time of year is to make sure that uh, I get a lot done. So I've done a lot of writing, done a lot of music, practicing photography, stuff like that. And that just kind of keeps me focused on uh, not thinking about the holidays, I suppose. Yeah, so. Okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, it sounds like a lot of good ways to avoid it, though. Uh, you know, photography, writing. I mean, all the creative yeah. stuff. I'd be dead. <clears throat> it's, it's just, yeah. it's so what late, What have you been creating lately? What is your, your most recent thing that you're working on? Well, what I've been working on lately is I've got a uh, new comic book that's going to be coming out in the spring. 
So I've been writing that and working with my artist in Brazil and, and kind of dealing with that and just totally focused on that. And I'm really excited about that. You probably dig it because it's about vampires. My first vampire mm -hmm. story, vampires awesome. in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, awesome. a, a take on it that I've never seen before. And I'm really, really excited about it because I love vampires. I mean, I don't think they're played out at all. You know, people say, ah, no, I think zombies are starting to get a little played out. But vampires, to me, I just I love them. <laughs> I'm, I'm in that same camp. I've always they were my first love. I've always loved vampires. And as many of the Spilling Ink viewers know, I have a fear of zombies. I don't like zombies. So I I, <laughs> No, I can't do the zombie thing. Here, read my single white story then. <laughs> you can't do it. Zombies freak me out. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this, but supposedly the type of monster that you're the most attracted to or have affinity for or whatever, it supposedly <clears throat> reveals a lot about you as a person. Have you heard that? No, yeah. no, I would love to, to know more about that. Yeah. yeah. The zombies are the big thing right now. And what are zombies? They're just kind of these mindless eating machines. They're not elegant. They're not cool. But that's the big thing right now. And if you look in society, what do you see right now? Kind of zombies in a way, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's also that element of fighting the zombies. I think that might be the attraction for most people okay. is, is going up against those zombies, surviving okay. against those zombies. I think that's where Being the, the draw seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. Becoming the hero, the one who's, you know, who makes it to the end without getting bitten. I suppose. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. All right. And you're right. There's a lot of zombieisms out there. <laughs> we can mm -hmm. relate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's vampires for me still until the Cenobites came along. Do you know who the Cenobites are? No, what's that? They're from uh, the Cenobites were from the Hellraiser movies. Oh, see, I never saw those. Yeah, they're elegant, just like vampires are. They long, flowing clothes and stuff, and they don't they don't run around or anything. They just kind of move and flow and stuff, and that appeals to me. So they're Cenobites mm -hmm. and vampires for sure. Okay. Yeah, for me, it's it's always been wolves. Is that right? Yep. I I have had an affinity for wolves since I was a little kid. Yes. That's very. You cool. know. So so the shifter thing is 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 a nice, and I've only written one, actually two shifter books. I, I haven't written a lot of it, um, but wolves are my thing. I had I I grew up with a poster of a wolf over my bed. Big gray wolf, and I loved it. Wow. And I read, you know, the the Lobo stories and and you know Canadian wild stories about do wild dogs and wolves growing up. So <laughs> those have always been my second favorite. I, I have my my wolf. It's hard to put on screen, yep. but my, yep. my good boy, my yep. wolf tattoo. And you wrote Pretty Little Werewolf, isn't that your book? <laughs> yep. yep. Yes, that's hers. <laughs> hers. <laughs> Yep, which is an offshoot from my Immortalis Vampire series, so yep. they are connected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it took me. I, I, I resisted on the vampire thing too for a while, because um, I mean, when I started, I was like writing FBI thrillers and and supernatural suspense, and then I wrote you know, the Nighthawk series, which was my first vampire series, and I twisted the vampire lore. <laughs> Yeah, you got to make it your own. Yep, yep. So, so yeah, that was fun. 
Okay, excellent. One more thing, I'll leave the vampire thing alone. What's the most influential, not the greatest, but what's the most influential vampire film of all time? I'm just curious. It's not a right or wrong. I'm just curious what your answer would be. Oh, Salem's Lot. Okay. That's tough. And uh, That is mm -hmm. really tough because I've watched so many over the years that I, I love certain pieces of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the old Nosferatu, uh, Dracula, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did, I did have a special place in my heart for Interview with the Vampire. That's I, a great. I did, I did have a very special place because I liked the exploration of the vampire as not just a mindless monster feeding off blood, but as a, a real character. And I think that was one of the ways that Anne Rice really set herself mm -hmm. aside from all the others. Yeah, Nosferatu. Yeah, that I mean. Yeah, that was such a classic. That mm. was such a classic. The reason I ask is we just kind of came out of Halloween and I've had this discussion with many people in the last few weeks and no one mentions the film I'm going to suggest to you and it's called The Horror of Dracula. It was made in 1957, released in America in 1958 by a studio in England called Hammer Films. Mm-hmm. And the reason that film is so important is the first time we saw the canine fangs, the first time vampires were in color, the first time we saw staking, the first time we saw any sort of sexuality. I mean, maybe hinted at with some of the early things, but in this movie it was front and center. And when that film was released, it just changed everything. And everything that we know now, the major tropes come from that movie. Hmm. Yeah. So look for that. Of Dracula. Okay. It's also called Dracula. It was called Horror of Dracula in America and Dracula everywhere else because the original Dracula was still playing in America at the time. So they had to call hmm. it something else. But it was the first Hammer film released in 1957 with Christopher Lee. And you okay. Look for that. Right, I will have to look that one up. Absolutely. You'll be amazed when you see it. Amazing. So that's I always it. like good recommendations. Uh, mm. right. Watch me watching this stuff tonight. <laughs> well, I, I, you, you're, you're so young, but you remember uh, the Dark Shadows. You've heard mm -hmm. about the Dark Shadows. Well, I don't know if you know, but a theatrical film was made of the TV series, and a lot of people don't know that. And An it's old one? Real, it was made in 1968, and it's really, really good. Okay. It's called Ooh. House of Dark Shadows. House of Dark it's Shadows. On, I believe it's free on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Really, really well done. So. Okay, I'm gonna have to look that up because now I've got some recommendations of things to watch tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're very influential. Yeah, mm -hmm. Anita, you're correct. That is a big name. Anybody who uh, who knows horror knows that name. Yes. Well, speaking of horror and creatures and all that. Let's talk to you, Miko, about your books and what kind of creatures you have included in them. You know, the uh, at the time when I first met you and I had my story, that's when I was writing my first novel. It's called Raven Diablo. And uh, I wrote that in 2008. Is that uh, the right one or is that? Yeah, that's it. Okay. And I had no intention of writing a novel, no intention of being a writer. It just kind of, it happened by accident. In the store where I met you, what had happened was uh, 
a gentleman from England came in to sell some uh, books and movies and stuff. And he saw the Hellraiser poster in the uh, in back of the, the, the counter behind me. And he mentioned that someone in his family had been a producer on that film. So he started so talking, and I was like, wow, really? And he mentioned that he himself wanted to get involved in film production. So I pitched him a couple of ideas that I had, one of which was about a superhero in Las Vegas who fought human trafficking and pedophilia. And he thought, wow, that's a pretty cool idea. And I said she was very much inspired by the goddess Kali. And he being from England, he knew a lot about Kali because there's a big Indian population over there. And stuff. he said, man, you need, to, you need to do that. You need to work with that because I could probably you know, get something happening with that. And make a long story short, I spent the next three or four months emailing this guy back and forth as I developed the story, right? And then after three, four months, suddenly he kind of vanished and he wasn't answering my emails. And then I realized that I didn't really know this guy that well. And I had basically given him, oh, he could take the emails he'd written and he could do the story himself. And I freaked out. Oh. I remember I sat up in bed one night. It was like midnight. I said, oh. <laughs> and I immediately wrote the novel as a way to kind of protect my intellectual property, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason I wrote it. And then when the novel came out and people were reading it, I got such cool feedback from it. I thought, wow, maybe I kind of accidentally did something here. And that's <laughs> it all came from that. You know? And then the guy, he later popped up and he was, hey, you know, he's just a flake is what it was. <laughs> <You know>? Okay. <laughs> At least I got a book out of it. So, so. Yeah. He inspired you to make that <laughs> exactly. a real thing. And then mm -hmm. once you were born, things just kind of started happening. I, uh, that's a comic book. It's now a comic book. It's a uh, three-part oh, comic book in release. It's been in stores. I've been getting a lot of really good feedback from it. Can we show some of the uh, the inside art too? She's my child. What can I say? I don't have children, but that's my baby. It, it you know that that's how it is. It mm -hmm. your work becomes you know just like your child. She's got some anger management issues, but she's got a good heart. You know, she really does. <laughs> Who doesn't have anger management? <laughs> <laughs> If you don't, you probably have an ulcer from holding it in or something. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, true. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, you know, I, I got to say this. Uh, when I had my store and, and the novel came out, and this was even before, thank you very much. Uh, I knew that I had something special because someone, a young woman who bought the novel, she came back about three months later and I wish I could rip it off the wall and show it to you. She had a tattoo of the character made on her oh, arm. Oh, wow. The length That's of awesome. her arm. And I tell you, I just I almost wanted to tear up. Think, I couldn't believe it. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, that, in fact, she, she was the one who inspired me to go forward with this because I thought if someone was going to get a tattoo on her arm, I touched this person. Yeah. yeah. You impacted she, her them. Her name greatly. was Lillian Strange. <laughs> what a great name too. Oh. Yeah, so I, I owe a lot. It's funny how one person can spark something in you and you don't know where it's gonna go. You know? So sometimes the, the universe sends you messages in, in interesting ways that have to keep that going. 
That's right. That's right. Absolutely. So thank you, Louie, wherever you are. So and the creativity <laughs> allows you to, you know, get yourself out there. It allows you to, like we were talking right before the show started, to exercise some of your demons yeah. in a healthy way. And yeah. it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, we were exercising those demons. You know, I, I, when we were coming on, I told you how someone <laughs> looked at the art and said, well, in a kidding way, but not really kidding, you know, maybe you, you got some problems or some deep-seated things going on or whatever. And I just, I took it to heart and I, I wondered about that. And I just, because it is a very, the violence in the comic, it's, 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 it's up there, you know. But at the same time, she's killing human traffickers and pedophiles, and they need to go down that way. Yes, so they do. The harder, the better, as far as I'm concerned. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. And, and you know, we were talking about this again before the show started, but you know, we've mentioned it on Spilling Ink many times how the intrusive thoughts we get. You have a bad day. Somebody's cut you off in traffic. Somebody stole your lunch again in the lunchroom. And, you know, even though your name was on it in the fridge, you know, we can't act on those things but they build up inside and we need a way to, to get rid of them in a healthy way. And writing becomes cathartic in that way. You're allowed to do the things you cannot do in your writing and work through those anger issues. So in some ways that's, that's very healthy to actually have that there. Yes, it is. It's much better than the alternative. <laughs> She's late. <laughs> Is that what yeah. you're yes, that's what <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you both about is that I was thinking today as I was kind of, you know, thinking about my writing and where things come from. Whenever I write, every everything comes out female somehow. My characters are always female, and I have to force myself to to create male characters sometimes. Have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of it that way, but I know some people write better in one gender than the other. Interesting. Like they feel more connected to it, so their characters come out easier in that gender. Interesting. Okay. My first books, I mean, my FBI one was was primarily a male character. Okay. Um, the female was almost a secondary when I wrote it because I was writing about the FBI guy, um, but. I've, yeah, <laughs> it's it's tough. I and I've written male characters from a from a first person point of view too. So, and female. So, I think a lot of times too, it's how does the character come to you? How how does the story inspiration manifest? Mm -hmm. Who are you hearing first? Because a lot of us, and whether this works for you or not, let me know. But a lot of us tend to almost feel like we're traveling behind our characters and just writing down what they're doing rather than truly inventing them. Like they're, right. they almost come to you in, in that fully formed or semi-formed version and you're just filling in the gaps and chronicling what they do. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, you know, like a divine inspiration, if you want to call it that, or mm -hmm. the muse or you know, however you want to word it. A lot of times it feels like that, like the, the story shows up, the character shows up and you're just there for the ride. Right. Yes. It's a good feeling too. Yeah. yeah. And they surprise you. Yeah. As writers, they surprise you. And I it's like, it, they should don't. surprise you. Have you ever had a secondary character take over and become the main character? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the old town pack and the little werewolf. 
got started. There were options <laughs> in my first book. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they, yeah, when they take over, it's great. <laughs> but and, it's like, and Jane, all of your characters flow so much that every character eventually gets fleshed out. Yes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> in fact, that's one of the hallmarks of Jane's books is is they're almost always interconnected. Uh, yeah, lately I have not been interconnecting them, which has been hard because I miss my characters. <laughs> I miss my people <laughs> in my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's I have at least. 50 books that are in, interconnected at this point. Wow. Um, in some way. Um, she, says she has a villain that tried to take over. <laughs> oh, that's scary. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Ooh, that is. <laughs> no, villains, they, they get pretty persuasive with their their reasons for wanting to do what they do. Yeah. At least well, lately. They think, like they, they think they're the hero. <laughs> they think they're the hero. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that meme where it's like low-key listening to the villain and agreeing with them yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. i haven't watched season two so just... <laughs> i have just finished watching loki by the way okay yes no spoilers but no. watch it i will i will i'll do it when i met my daughters for thanksgiving <laughs> Because they have Disney Plus. I'm sure yeah. I can log on to it here. But. Speaking of that, I, I, that brings me up on a topic that I've been kind of looking at for a while. And I, the whole Disney villain redemption thing that they're doing. At first, I hated it. And now I kind of, I kind of get it. I, I kind of see looking at, you know, why the villains became the way they are. And, and sometimes I agree with them. And their stories are not so bad. <laughs> they may do bad things eventually, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I can I can see why they go the way they go. And I kind of like exploring that side of things rather than the goody two shoes, you know, hero only. What about you guys? Are you on to the whole follow the villains, or is it something that's me? Maybe I'm just in my villain phase. I don't know. But more, don't know. more the anti. It's more of the anti-hero. But they do it with like villains. They go from the villain perspective, and you know, again with Loki, he was a villain my, turned to a hero eventually. My first character was started out the villain. Ty was a villain. <laughs> it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> <laughs> he 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 had the redemption arc. Yeah. So, so I guess, but they got to work through why they're the villain, right? You know, they go through all the horrible shit. They still do all of the horrible shit. Yep. I guess my know. question is, what do you think of? I've never seen. I've heard about these shows, mm -hmm. and I'm just curious. What do you think of the writing on the shows? Depends on the show, really. Because I've heard some weird things that you know. It, it depends on the shows, really. And and sometimes you have to look at it. You have to step back and look at it from the whole season perspective because individual episodes might have things that, like, why are we doing this? Uh -huh. But when you look at the whole series or the whole season, it's like, okay, I can see why you did that. You're, you're leaving breadcrumbs for something, and it makes sense. Some shows, absolutely, the writers are knocking it out of the park when you look at it from that perspective. Other shows, you can tell they're phoning it in. And it's really hit or miss lately. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, hmm. do you think you'd be able to, to there's another one? Yes. Yes. When I hear about the way a lot of shows are, are written and crafted, I don't think I'd be comfortable writing in a situation like that in a quote unquote writer's room. And I'm just wondering, what do you think about that? I just, I think some of the greatest things, some of the greatest works are have an individual vision as opposed to a collective vision. I'm just wondering what do you when, think? And, and I'm kind of on that same page. I, I agree that individual stuff individually should be one person focused. But when we're talking about like the MCU, so you get the the big Marvel universe, mm -hmm. you've got a lot of creative teams working on different areas. They all need to coordinate. And that's one of the big yeah. problems. They're not coordinating. Yeah, they and need to coordinate. They need to know what somebody else is, is planning, you know, if it's on the docket beforehand and how it impacts what they're writing. What was done, follow the lore, yeah. make sure yeah. everything, you know. Yeah, and they're not doing that, which makes it a big problem. Yeah. Because you've got individual teams working on these shows. And they're not aware of or they're not following up with something that was done in the rest of the universe. It really makes for problems. Mm -hmm. When it comes to a show, I've never done a, a writer's room for, for a TV series. I would love to. Hello, mm -hmm. universe, putting that out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I've never great done at a collaborative. It? <laughs> <laughs> I've never done a collaborative effort on something like that. So I don't know if it's a too many chefs in the kitchen situation. Mm -hmm. Or if it is actually helpful to have everybody going, hey, this, that, the other, I know this from that series, whatever, to pull in, you know, that meeting of the minds in order to come up with something cohesive. Right. I don't know how that works. And and if any of you out there are, are aware of that, please say in the comments, because that, that would be interesting to learn. And like I said, universe, I'm up for it. So, you know, send me some opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I um, mean, from a co-writer co standpoint, because we've co-written before. Katie yes. and I, um, we did very well bouncing things off each other. You know, and as long as we were on the same page, right? You so, know, and but you also have to be willing to give and take. Yes, we we, we both were. You know, I wanted to kill the puppies. You said no. I said okay. <laughs> 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 So, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, and there you go. Anita says it perfectly. Yes. You've got another MCU, you know, property. You've got the Agents of Shield, and then you've got the Winter Soldier. Yeah. The departments aren't talking together and and following up with what each other has done. You break that cohesiveness, and we start to lose faith. Right. We don't and follow it as well. We don't want to because we know it doesn't matter. Or it doesn't make sense, and that really bothers people. Right. But if they are working together, yes. And like I said, if you step back and look at it as a season, individual episodes might make you scratch your head and go, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. But as the season progresses, you see the breadcrumbs and you understand why they might have made certain choices. Mm -hmm. Well, for the sake of discussion, and you brought up Disney, I would say that uh, a big problem is there There are too many cooks. There, and Disney is a great example with what they did with Star Wars. I mean, how do you ruin Star Wars? It's yeah. How do you do that? How well, do you that, do that? That's also... The most profitable, successful IP of all time. And Disney ran it into the ground. They that's when you feel like you got license to print money and you can do whatever. You don't respect your audience. Mm -hmm. Poor George Lucas, what do you say? He felt like he sold his child to the white slavers, and he did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he really did. That's sad. 
Yeah. And, and there's also a bit of oversaturation too. Yeah. <laughs> they, they went with the, this is our cash cow. We're going to milk it to it till it's dry. And while they're doing it, also not having the cohesion, not having the story, following the lore, not having things make sense, making choices that don't that just leave most people scratching their heads and them going, yeah, yada, yada, it'll work just fine. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's it's a lot of things that they did wrong there. Mm-hmm. And I want to blame the writers. I do. But then I think about it. And I'm like, if the writers are being told these are your things, you right. have to do, this is your parameters. Right. Yeah. So I can't. Yep. I can't just look at the writers and go, it's the writer's fault because they're being directed to do whatever they're doing and somebody's approving what they've done in the end. Yep. Yeah. It's, when you're it's, dealing with that much money, you got to take somebody's shit. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to do what you got to do to get your paycheck, too. Right. And so there you go. Even if it is, you know, murdering your favorite, you know, franchise. Yeah. yeah. Um, Disney's an interesting company to watch right now because even the mainstream media is saying, what's up with this company? What are you doing? And that's never happened before. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Obi Wan <laughs> fiasco. We're not even going to talk about that. <laughs> I dissected those videos with Brian on. Uh, on tan talks and just the ludicrous way that they did things and the simple fixes they could have done to actually make some of it make sense. Like it, it blows my mind how poorly they mm-hmm. treated a favorite character like that. <sighs> Don't get her going on dad Star Wars. <laughs> Keep me all fired up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, come on. We grew up with Star Wars. Yes. Yes. Like, it's they went out of their way to subvert what they call it subverting our expectations or is that and and that only works to an extent (laughs) it only works to an extent you do have to also pay things off as well Mm. it can't just be subverting everyone's expectations all the time because you're going to lead people to go okay i don't know what the fuck they're doing i'm not going to watch it anyways Mm. yeah that's true yeah if nothing makes sense why follow it mm. right right and what do you, you know, guys think? You of- pay off expectations. True. True. <laughs> true. Right, a lot right, of the movies were prequels of the originals, right? Or the prequels retrospectively were not as bad when you compare them to what they did with the last three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like okay. they, they they had room for improvement on the prequels, definitely, but they were not nearly as bad to the overall lore as those last three books or those last three movies. Mm-hmm. And what's worse is they had books, tons of books written right. that they could have pulled the material from. It was right there, but they chose not to use it. And the amount of money that they went through for those. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> their own. Like, no, the fans want this. Give them this. What yeah. are you doing? Oh, you have to, you have to have this. <laughs> This is where we want to go, but they rerouted us over here. It's <laughs> the same thing can be to movie adaptations too. The reason the books were so popular is because it, they had these elements in them. So if you're mm-hmm. going to adapt a movie based off of a beloved book, keep the elements in there that were loved. Don't decide to write your own story using characters that you bought. Right. Pretty much, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I could go off on a tangent, but I won't. No, well, that's it. That's it. <laughs> we, we settled that one. I'm uh, I'm glad to hear that. I, <laughs> we can get yeah. whack now if you don't want to talk about Wax City. 
Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, Wax City is my love letter to Las Vegas. (laughs) And, you know, I, um, what can I say? I have this thing about Las Vegas. People ask me, where are you from? And uh, my first response is Las Vegas, but it's not technically true. You know, um, my mother was in a particular Midwestern town when she gave birth to me, but I don't consider myself from that town. I'm from Las Vegas because that's where everything kind of came together for me. Not that I got my shit together, not at all, but where I I feel like I, Las Vegas helped me to discover some things about myself, about the world, about the universe. It's like people, Las Vegas tends to short sell itself so much. It always, it's about tits and glitz and blah, blah, blah. And there's so much more to Las Vegas than that. In fact, one of the main points that I've, I've tried to make in my book and I've been writing about Las Vegas for years is that it's a very spiritual place. It would have to be a spiritual place because if it's going to declare itself as some kind of sin city, it's got to have some balance, too. And I tell you, the greatest, sweetest, most wonderful people I've ever met, I met in Las Vegas. I met some real life angels, and I'm not kidding, no hyperbole. I've met angels in Las Vegas, and I've met demons in Las Vegas, literally. And I've never seen a place in the world where that was so true, where Las Vegas to me is, it's like, it, it, it's, it's, it's reality. It's reality. It's like angels and demons are right next to one another. They live on the same street. And I don't see another city, another place in the world where that's more true than Las Vegas. I mean, I love that place. I can't say enough about it. I'm kind of obsessed with it, as you can probably tell. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you something really funny. I don't want to forget this. When I was in my store, I met two different customers who did not know one another, who lived in the same apartment complex, and they both told me it was haunted. No. Yeah. Mm. Big time. In fact, I'll tell you where it's on. Uh, it's called the Fleur de Lis. It's right mm. off of Maryland. Where, what is that uh, strip mall? The um, ah, Maryland and DI. What is that strip mall that's Maryland and DI? I know the area you're talking about. It'll come to me, but yeah, a haunted. Uh, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. That's right by the the old Boulevard Mall. Right, exactly. It's across. Yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I used to live near there too. <laughs> <laughs> when I called it the corner of Crack Alley because it was a really bad neighborhood, but really cool apartments. <laughs> yeah, I, I met some it. people that uh, they would have been considered vampires back in the day. I mean, okay. people who were clearly not human, or if they were, they were hybrid beings. Maryland Parkway was a unique street. It it had its own character. Yeah. Um, all the way from you know where you're talking about over by the boulevard down towards UNLV. Mm-hmm. Is that that uh, that was where the cafes were that I hung out with back in the the late '90s, early 2000s, and uh, they no longer exist. They've they've been bulldozed and new stuff has been replaced. Mm-hmm. But there was a very unique character to that specific area, mm-hmm. and and it was eclectic and it was. If you belonged, you belonged. Mm-hmm. And I still have fond memories of living over by that area. Yeah, there's a lot of vibe throughout Vegas. It's just that, like I said, for me, it's uh, there's a, a 
there's a dark spirituality, but there's a light spirituality too. Like I said, I've known angels there. Yeah. You can't have the dark if you don't know the light. Absolutely. Right. You know, it's it's that opposites that that allow you to recognize what they are. The thing that's weird about Vegas is it's like they they play up the you know what happens here stays here sort of a thing, and they it's like they don't even want to go into the other aspects of it. I don't know, maybe they don't think it's as fun, but I don't know. There are a lot of people that are connected to spirituality as much as sensuality. I mean, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out here. I, what's interesting is it's written into the laws. You have to have special um, special business licenses for anything occult out here. Whether it's astrology or tarot readings or anything that's considered occult, you have to have a special business license. Really? In order to operate here. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. See, I've only I've only visited, you know, through a business trip. Um so I, I know very little bit about Vegas outside of, you know, Caesar's Palace and yeah, the pool. That's what, that's what you're meant to see. You're yeah. meant to see yeah. the adult playground that's been created. Yeah. Yes. You yeah. go a mile away from the strip and it's a totally different place. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah my, hus my husband's been there more than I have, but yeah. Did you do much hiking, uh, uh, Katie? You do any hiking at all in Las Vegas? Occasionally, I do. I, I like to get out to Red Rock every so often. Yeah. Valley Fire is gorgeous. There's a there's a park not too far from me that I, I call it my favorite urban hike because it's right around the Black Mountain. And if you climb up not too far, you've got this gorgeous view of the Strip. It's absolutely gorgeous, unobstructed view of the Strip, the whole city, the valley. It's just beautiful, and it's. It's within the city. It's an urban hike because they built so far out now that the mountain is part of Henderson. Mm -hmm. You know, I am when you were here, you probably remember there being a gap between Henderson and Boulder City. Mm -hmm. That gap is a blip now. It's wow. a blip. It's we almost go completely out to Boulder City now. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So where are you right now, Miko? In <sighs> mm. Indian, I was going to say Indian, no place, Indianapolis. <laughs> okay. All right. I love that. <laughs> Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah. It's, okay. Uh, that's and where I'm my in, mother in, was when she had me. So. Okay. <laughs> and I'm in New Hampshire, so I'm completely on the other side of the country from, from you guys. <laughs> I left my heart in Las Vegas, so and I'll be getting back there. So. See, and I feel like I've been stuck here. Like once I was, I was moved here when I was a kid. Okay. I was a sophomore in high school when I moved out here. And as many times as I've tried to leave, there's always been something that's held me back. Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to leave Vegas. So I've, I've been stuck here. <laughs> I can dig it. Yeah. It's, it's got an energy for some people and it's definitely got it for me for sure. Yeah. And it's not a bad city. I say that like I'm stuck here. Like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad city. It's a very interesting city to live in. There's a lot of people watching. Yeah, there is. There mm -hmm. is. But, you know, I rarely ever go to the strip. Rarely. Right. You know, I think the last time I went was for my daughter's wedding, but it might have been years before, you know, since the last time I'd been there. Mm -hmm. And it's always changing. Every few years, the strip gets a facelift. Mm -hmm. It's new. It's changed. They demolish the old and rebuild into something new. So it's always interesting to see. But you go a mile away from the strip and it's a totally different place than what the tourists see. Right. Mm -hmm. 
the most fascinating people I ever met in my life, I met in Las Vegas. It's just something about them, particularly the OGs. Because when you talk to them, I mean, they've just got, they've got all the, the knowledge, but the way they, they put it out there, the, the way they articulate the way things were back in the day, I could just listen to those stories. And, you know, I had my store and then I managed a bookstore before I had my store. So I just, in fact, what I used to do is after hours, I would have OGs come in and I would videotape interviews. And that's how I built up a lot of my knowledge about Las Vegas, because I got it straight from the people who lived there back in the day. So You probably got a ton of really cool stories. I really yeah. do. I really do. That's where I met some angels, for sure. Mm -hmm. And a demon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Honestly. what was the wildest story you you were privy to? <sighs> Well, the, the haunted, the, the people who were in the same, I thought that was pretty strange because they didn't know one another mm -hmm. in the same complex. And the reaction that each had was kind of interesting. The woman who lived in the complex, she said she moved immediately, right? She left. The guy, he stayed there for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And he would tell me what, what, you know, he'd get up in the morning and things would be re rearranged around the house. And I'm like, dude, you stay there. I'd be gone, too. <laughs> no, they weren't bothering anything. They were cool or whatever. I mean, if you've ever met people who've had experiences like that, some people are very cool with it, whereas I'd have a heart attack. Yeah, mm. yep. you wake up in the morning like, God damn it, George, stop. I am not in the mood. Of course, right. I get my coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've known people, and I can't even imagine. I've never had a supernatural experience, you know, and I don't want one, you know. <laughs> and, and somebody who has lived in, in multiple houses that could be considered haunted, yeah, that, that is generally how you experience it. You're just like, seriously, ah. no, come on. <laughs> My, I'm not in the mood today. You've had, you, you've had that happen? I have. Really? In fact, that when I when I was growing up, my house in Texas was haunted to the point that my parents called in a priest to try and bless it to wow. get rid of the spirits. They would slam doors on my mother, which I always found hilarious. <laughs> oh my um, I had a few experiences where I saw something that wasn't there, but I saw it like somebody taking their hands around the, the edge of a door frame and kind of peekaboo oh, and disappearing or, you know, from the corner of your eye, you catch, I, I caught a woman in a dress twirling cause she had a big poofy skirt and it never bothered me. I never had fear of it. Wow. And so, you know, every house that I lived in where I would see stuff, it was just, it, it didn't bother me. And there were instances where I would see something and I'm not now. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then they would disappear and I wouldn't, you know, have to worry about it. I've never had a poltergeist mm -hmm. experience. So that might be different. Okay. My um my sister-in-law, who we just visited in North Carolina, her mother passed away last year. And in their home that they had before this one, they they sold it. Um, because she lived with them in a sort of an in-law apartment. After she died, the TV would randomly turn on. Oh shit. Now that they're gone from that house, they're still on the property, but on a diff in a different house now. She said she thought it was Dennis moving, my brother-in-law moving the picture because she'd wake up and it would be sideways. It was her mom's picture, and and you know she'd go fix it, and finally she said to him, "If you want to see that, you know, see the thing that's behind it, we can move our picture." And he was like, "I haven't been touching it." 
<laughs> so yeah, her mom's letting her know that she's still there. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, like if they're cool spirits, I suppose, but just yeah, I don't want anything moving that I didn't move. You know, it's just right, it's right. Too, the thought is too unnerving. <laughs> and she's very OCD about things. So, oh, <laughs> so I with it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I never was bothered by it because I grew up with stuff like that happening. So, but it never happened negatively. Like I said, never poltergeist situation. So I, I didn't have an, any ingrained fear of it. It was just kind of like, okay. Here we go again. Leave me alone. I'm not in the mm -hmm. mood right now. You know, go do your thing somewhere else. And that was it. Although yeah. when we moved into this house, um, both me and my oldest daughter could swear that there is a cat, a ghost cat that likes to run in the hallway. And we will see something out of the corner of our eye, but nobody else has seen it. And she's mm -hmm. since moved out. So I'm the only one here. But I, I swear there's there's a ghost cat just, you know, peeking around in the hallway, running back and forth. Not causing how's, any trouble. How does your dog take that? She doesn't care about anything. Okay. <laughs> she does not care about anything. She is, she's the most chill husky. And if you know what huskies are, mm -hmm. this makes no sense. She's the most chill husky you will ever They're meet. usually pretty wired, yeah. Yes. She doesn't make a sound. Mm -hmm. She never barks. In fact, if you ever hear her bark, it freaks you out because that's how rare it is for her to make a sound. Mm -hmm. And when I bring people over, as long as I'm letting them in, she just accepts them. She doesn't, you know, bark. She doesn't growl. She's just chill. She's the little most chill dog I've ever met. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we, we're having the driveway sensor is now randomly going off. Oh, no. Just randomly, you know, and, and we're turning it off at night because, you know, we don't, we think there is some animal that has swallowed something that's metal that's running back and forth every now and then and setting it off. Oh, no. But yes, yes, we've, we've had that since we got home. But the new alarm system is nice, except for the you know driveway sensor. <laughs> so, yeah, the last, the last time we talked, they had just come and... They had to come back, but they they came back on the day we were leaving. On the day we were flying out, um, they were here for six hours, and I was getting a little antsy because I'm like, okay, we, we got to go. <laughs> no, they fixed. Well, they they replaced the whole system, okay. Okay. so we don't need the landline anymore. We got rid of the landline. Okay. So everything we can do it from our phone, which is nice. That's cool. <laughs> Although when we got back, we didn't realize we could do it from our phone. The and the pad in our bedroom was like this blue light shining out of the light. <laughs> like this bright blue light. <laughs> we figured out how to turn off the light, but <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I was like, well, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> but now we have the light turn off and we do just do it by the phone so okay but yeah <laughs> so one thing not that I, I want to ask before i forget but i've got these two authors in front of me right now mm -hmm. um and this may be more for katie uh, you know i've got my 
paranormal sort of novel about Las Vegas. Are are there more paranormal supernatural things coming about Las Vegas you, you're familiar with? Because I don't see that many. Are there? All my stuff is written from Vegas. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's me and you then for sure. Then I use I use Vegas because you know it's it's my home turf. Okay. Um, there are a couple other Vegas authors who do use Vegas for their their you know supernatural playground. Okay. I just, just wanted need, to see that more. You know? I've actually had had one in Vegas. Okay. You know, my, my siren had to go to Vegas to, you know, and that was really hard for her because she had to have seawater packaged because otherwise she would die. It's a fun <laughs> playground to work with. It really yes. is. Yep. <laughs> and and it is such a unique city that that when you get to play with that. You know, you get to really work with how unique the city is. It, it makes mm -hmm. for, I think, you know, the city becomes its own character in the story. Right. Yeah. That's what it is for me. That's exactly yeah. what it is for me. I've got a, um, it's been up for about. Um, Werewolf PI. That's cool. Hmm. I'll have to look for that one. That's, I've that's got a series a, I'm not familiar with, but now I will have to look up. I was going to say, I've got a, a documentary slash mockumentary that's been on YouTube for about 10 years now. And it's called Occult Las Vegas Revealed. Oh. And uh, take a look at it because uh, it's my whole philosophy about Vegas in about 20 minutes condensed. Okay. And, you, have, you have a link you can. Um, uh, I'll send you one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I want to check it out. And I okay. will definitely put it in our show comments for our viewers. I would definitely do that. And what happened was when I put that out, it was kind of tongue in cheek in a way at the time. Because what had happened was there was uh, the ad campaign, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And that really got on my nerves because it's stolen. That saying has been around for years. And mm -hmm. it just annoyed me that they could make money on something that basically belongs in the public domain. You know, So mm -hmm. I thought, well, I can come up with something that's as interesting as that. So originally, my mockumentary was supposed to be my ad campaign about Vegas, what I think about Vegas. And I put it out there and then I started getting contacted from people, mainly in the pagan community, who were telling me that everything I was saying was like right on target. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm yeah, you definitely send me that link. I wanna I wanna yeah. check that out for sure. And I, I will put it in the show comments for our viewers to be able to find as well. I'll do that. That sounds awesome. I hope so. <laughs> So, yeah, don't knock. <laughs> so we talked about Wax City. I'm going to pull the cover up again. Yes, yeah, someone said they like the cover. You know, I'll say something about that cover. That is Lady Luck to me. That's how I see luck. Because some people look at that. I had that poster in my story. You probably don't remember. At least the eyes uh, back in the day. Some people would look at that and get freaked out and think there was something evil about it. Other people would look at it and think, oh, there's something sexy about it. It's either. It's whatever you bring to it. And that's a big part to me of what Las Vegas is. What you bring to it, it's going to get magnified. That's why people, a lot of people come to Vegas and they, they crash and burn. Don't come to Vegas if you got like a lot of hardcore problems and stuff because they will get magnified. But good things can be magnified as well. And I'd like to feel that I became a better person from living in Las Vegas. I hope so. All right. All right. We got to do a fun little experiment here yeah. because when I look at the eyes, okay. I get two things. Okay. 
And I, I before I tell you what they are, okay. I want to get Jane to say her things as well. And then you tell me what you think those might mean. We'll kind of do a little psychology experiment here. So I've got two things I want to say when I look at those eyes. Jane, come up with you know one or two things that you think of when you see those eyes. Let me know when you're ready. Like just the first words that pop into your head. It's, you want me to say them? You are. Tell me when you're ready. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. All right. So, Miko, you you be our psychoanalyst here. Okay. All right. I'm going to say mine. Okay. Jane, you've got yours. When I look at those eyes, I get two words. I get indifference and I get dare. Really? Okay. Those are the two things I think of when I see the eyes. Okay. And Jane, what do you think? I have a little erotic side there and and a little fear me. Okay. From that. Because Miko, when you said that people sometimes see it as sexy and sometimes see it as scary, it, it just it like gave me that idea. It's like everyone's gonna see something different when they look mm -hmm. at that. And and what they see might be reflective of mm -hmm. what's going on either in their head or, yeah. or the reality they're seeing. And so mm -hmm. when I looked at those eyes, I got indifference. Like, I don't fucking care what happens, but mm -hmm. I dare you to try. I like it. Yeah. Mm. It works. What, what do we think? Is, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. But I, you know, when I have the, the fear me, I'm going to eat you alive <laughs> type of thing. That's, that's the writer brain working. That's the writer brain working. For, for our audience out there, too, let me put it up one more time. What do you see? What are these eyes telling you? Give give me some words in the comments. What are these eyes telling you? Because I, I really think the eyes are very attractive. And that's mm -hmm. the first thing you see when you look at this cover. It's those eyes. And they're they're saying something. But I think they're saying something different to everyone. And that's, what's the, that's what the draw is. That's what's making you stare at this cover. Is it's telling you something different. So studio audience, our viewers, put in the comments what these eyes are telling you. Sorry, Ted, play a little game. <laughs> buy my book. <laughs> yes, yes, buy the book. <laughs> Please, leave a review. That is what the eyes were saying. Buy me, buy me, buy me. <laughs> but yeah, it is a really cool cover. And I think that we've talked many times, you know, the covers... Everyone judges the book by the cover, no matter how much, you know, mm -hmm. we say it's a cliche. It is true. And those covers, you know, can make or break a book before even, you know, anybody sees what the book is about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so having something that, that draws the reader in, that draws the, the eye and makes somebody want to look a little longer is important. Yeah. Anita says, I see arrogance. Oh, I like arrogance. That's a good word. Mm -hmm. And a haunted look, too. Hmm. I like that. Like that. And I think, again, everyone's going to see something a little bit different in those eyes. Vegas. <laughs> Can't wait so when are you coming there. back to Vegas? Uh, I'll be there in December. Oh, so not too long. Yeah, yeah, so not that's too that's long. right around the corner, literally. <laughs> Permanent resident or just for visit? Uh, for uh, a short visit, but I'm going to be getting back at least once a month. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And what I'm hoping to do is have a property there and then keep my mom's house here and then just kind of go back and forth. Maybe ideally be in Vegas for the winter 
and then back here in the Midwest in you know July and August. You know, so. mm. Yeah, it will be yeah especially if you don't like winters, it gets cold <laughs> no. there. <laughs> no, I don't like winter. I do not like winter. It's nice on a postcard, but I don't want to like deal with it. No. Yeah, I have, I have mountains, so <laughs> I don't ski though because I'm a disaster. I'd break if I fell. <laughs> you know, it's funny being away from Vegas. I've been away uh, for about since COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it just kind of came back for a minute, but it's been about three years or so. And it's just, you know, it's like anything you, you when you're away from something and you realize how much it meant to you, how it affected you, what it did to you. And now when I, when I go back to Vegas, I think I'll have a better appreciation for it. You know, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. If that's the place that's drawing you in, then yeah. yeah. You feel more at home when you're there than when you're anywhere else in the world. That's Absolutely. your place. That's my spot for sure. So What's the weather like there anyway right now? What's going on there? It's beautiful right now. I don't want to hear about it. We, we hit our beautiful season where, yes, to us, it's cold. But to anybody who deals with an actual winter, it's it's warm. It's like tropical. <laughs> what, it's We're like 70? 70, I was like, 50, 70? Yeah, we, we got a little bit of rain this last week that was kind of a surprise. And, uh, you know, the air is fresh and crisp right now. And I have my windows open and I love wow. it. I love <laughs> it. Fresh and crisp is this. Wait, I can't see. What is this? Ah! Whoa, no, no. Oh, that was at 630. So hold on. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the one thing about the colder weather in this part of the country is that I have capes and long coats and stuff, mm -hmm. and I get a chance to to wear that stuff. So <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're we're probably gonna have snow maybe in the next couple of days up here. But I would like to see some snow. I, you know, that would be nice. <laughs> you can visit. We have rooms. <laughs> yeah, I told you that. You can don't visit. tempt me. Don't tempt me. I'm gonna take you up on that offer and just show up on your doorstep one day. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> we have rooms. The security alarm will go off. You're like, what the hell? Hi. <laughs> and it'll actually be a car. <laughs> Not some random thing. Chipmunk running through the woods. <laughs> <sighs> Or yeah. some ghost hunting us that I need to freaking banish. <laughs> no, this is this is our beautiful season, though. I I love yeah. living here during this season because, while yes, it's cold to me, it's not freezing cold. It's bearable cold, and it, it's I, it's lovely. I hate I hate the summers because anytime we get over triple digits, it's just oppressive. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I was down in North Carolina and it was cold down there for them. And I went out with wet hair on the porch in the sunshine. And I'm like, ah, you know, just in my T-shirt. Like, this is wonderful. It was like, it wasn't quite 70 degrees yet. And I was just like, this is heaven. <laughs> my house is set at like 68 anyway. <laughs> so that, that's the other thing that's nice about winters mm -hmm. again for, keep in mind our cold is different than your cold yep but i love having the windows open so that i can oh, have yeah. a cold room and i can bundle up yep cold and cl that. clear crisp air yes yeah 
I love being able to bundle up and just snuggle into warm blankets. And uh, it's a dry cold, which is very different <laughs> from a wet cold. <laughs> yes, it's a dry cold. <laughs> it doesn't get into your bones. <laughs> no. Although with, with the anemia, I do have issues staying warm, but yeah it's still it's still so much more manageable than what you guys deal with mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes yeah. well we I, have we oh, have yeah. yeah we've hit an hour already i don't know how we did that like i don't know either where is this the where i tell you about you can reach me at my website and all that stuff or yeah yeah, yeah we, we need to make sure everyone knows where to find you so that they can and again i will put everything in our show notes afterwards so that Viewers who are not watching the live stream will easily be able to find you later. And I'll send you a link to my, the documentary I told you about. And my website is just my name, MikoMontgomery.com. That's Easy the portal to like all that. things Miko. Uh, in fact, someone commented the picture. That's a poster. The uh, the book cover is also a poster. So if anyone's interested, yeah, that's available. Once you go wacky, yeah, all that stuff. That awesome. So come I visit me. I love it. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Oh, wait, we forgot to even show these pictures. Oh, me and Clive. Yeah. Oh, my. Look at that. Oh, hair. my goodness. Look at that. <laughs> guy. That's awesome. He is. I look like I need to be haunting houses or something. <laughs> oh, no, that picture needs to be framed. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, he was congratulating me. So anyway. But yeah, please visit me at my website, MikaMontgomery.com. Thank you for being very flexible with us. <laughs> We're so sorry for, for the last life out. Thank you for being interested. Thank you. <laughs> let's do it again. Maybe, you know, when my comic book comes out, you know, next year. Let's oh, yeah. Out. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. please come back. Absolutely. I want to. So. Yeah. Right. Welcome anytime. And you know where to reach me. Absolutely. All right. You look for those movies I told you about, too. I will. Yeah. I will. I'm going to be yes. looking at those tonight. That's, that's probably going to be what I do all night tonight. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, guys. We will Thank talk you. to you next time we are live on Spilling Ink. I don't think we have a schedule set for the rest of the year because with holidays coming up, it's kind of wonky. Yeah, well, we'll you, you, I mean, we'll, we'll play it by ear and we'll be like, hi, we're here. <laughs> and then we'll reevaluate and start again fresh in January. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, nice for watching. Bye -bye. We, we will see you next time. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>